You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, I am glad to be here this morning. Are you guys glad to be here? How many people are so excited that we have some snow? So the rest of you that are not excited, find the person that was happy. It's their fault. Right? They would love to come and shovel for you because they love snow. See, this is just we're going to figure out how to work together. Right? Hey, we are in our Advent series, like Alex said, and we are in the third week of the series. And um, we are going to have Christmas Eve services next weekend. Um, One of the things that, uh, because we're not going to have an evening nighttime service next Sunday, we're just going to have our normal Sunday morning, 9 and 10.30 church times. We are having Christmas Eve service. It's an awesome service, and it's a great opportunity to bring friends and family and stuff. We just aren't having special times because it just worked out that Christmas Eve was on a Sunday, so it makes it easy on everybody to do it at the same time we always do it. What that does, though, is it sort of tweaks the traditional Advent series a little bit, and so we're going to modify things and do uh, a couple of the candles today combined. We're going to talk about the angels and the shepherds today. And so it works out really well because they're both in the same passage, and it allows us to cover one passage and knock out uh, learning about both of those at the same time without having to read the same passage twice in a row. So it kind of is a good deal anyways, right? Sound good? Are you guys okay with that? Okay. So we are going to dive right in. But um, before we do that, let's just remember a little bit real quick about where we've been, right? The first week we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth and sort of the cultural rejection and shame that they faced and the struggles that they had uh, being barren and not having the opportunity to go in and serve as a priest for the most of his life and, and the issues that came up with that. And we learned that in spite of that, they were good and faithful and obedient people that were right in the eyes of the Lord and that even well into their old age, God did a miraculous thing and allowed them to have a child, even as uh, an old couple. And little did they know that they had gone through all of this suffering and pain and hardship and had people thinking certain things about them, and it would lead to them having the opportunity to have a son who would be instrumental, one of the most, if not the most important people that God ever put on earth to help people get ready to meet Jesus, that they would have that opportunity. And then last week, Aaron talked with us about the real picture, right? What was really going on with Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem and what they were met with is not what we would typically see in the uh, Hallmark manger scene, the beautiful, quaint little stable with a fire burning in the corner and somebody singing Christmas carols outside. Like, that was not what was going on. And no matter how you interpret the words used to describe an inn, it ends up looking like one of three places. And no matter where you land on your interpretation, it's not a pretty place. 
whether it's like a shepherd's cave or the animal stall below kind of a traditional home or whether it's uh, the kind of the shepherd's inn where they would keep sick animals and sleep with them and no matter where they ended up, it wasn't a good spot. And we saw that in spite of that, God chose to bring his son into the world in the most humble and lowly of places. And it helps us remember and it helps us learn as we reflect and go back over that, that this was the beginning of God unraveling who he is and the kind of God he is to them and to us. And he was starting to tell a story, to paint a picture that he is a God that is a God for everyone, right? He wasn't a God for the religious elite. He wasn't a God for just a special select few. He was going to be a God that was for everyone. And that's kind of where we pick up the story today. We're going to look in Luke chapter 2. It's in your notes, and it's going to be up here on the screens. And we're going to look in uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. We're going to take a look at what is going on in this passage, okay? So, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before we jump in here, let's take a look at shepherds, right? So we're going to see shepherds are an integral part of this passage. And shepherds, culturally at the time, some people say that they were so um, low on the social ladder that they were so low that some people say they were actually not even allowed to give testimony in court. That they were thought so poorly of, so little of, that their word wasn't even valid, okay? That's sort of a, a hard to prove thing and there's debate about exactly the shepherd's status in uh, culturally in the social uh, structure of things. But no matter where you land on it, nobody argues that they were low on the totem pole when it came to who's important in a community. The shepherds were not highly regarded so in the story we're about to get into, it, it sort of makes us wonder right out of the gate, like what is God up to? What's going on? Because if you wanted to get a message out, like not just any message, but if you had a really important message and you wanted to get it out, you would be best to give that message to someone or a group of people that had a lot of influence, a group of people that everybody would listen to when they talked. A group of people that people would be excited to see and want to hear what they had to say. And what we know about shepherds is that definitely does not describe them. That's, that's not the kind of people shepherds were. So it makes us wonder, like, what is God up to? What are these angels up to? Of all the people they could go to, why them? So let's dig in and we'll kind of take a look at it and learn a little bit as we go, right? So the very first uh, part of this passage says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Now, this is one of those things where, you know, oftentimes we, we go into a scripture and we look at the text and it's, 
looks like an easy drive-by sentence. We could just roll right to the next thing. And we got to remember that when we see little things like this, these random details, it's good for us to pause and go, why is that there? Why is this story include a detail about shepherds working in fields at night? Because if you're a farmer, this probably is not a great thing, right? Like if you're a farmer, are you super excited to hear that the shepherds rolled into your fields one night and they have all of their sheep and they set up camp? Is that going to be a good deal for you? Right? It's going to mess up your crop, right? So it doesn't seem like a good idea unless, unless, what? Unless the field's already been harvested, and if the field has already been harvested, then what's left in the field? This is farm country here, so you all ought to be experts at this. When they go, what's left out there? This little stubble, right? So the farmers and the shepherds have this really good sort of win-win agreement where after the harvest is done and the, the farmers have gone out with the sickle and reaped the wheat and harvested it and taken it to the threshing floors and there's this stubble left in the fields, they work it out that it's okay at that time for the shepherds to bring the sheep into the field. The sheep get to eat what's left of the stalk and the stubble and the little parts and pieces that fell to the ground. And the farmers get something in return too. They get a sheep, uh, a sheep, a field full of free what? Fertilizer, right? So it's sort of a win-win situation. Now, there's a, a small window that happens between the harvest and planting the new crops. And remember in the first week, we talked a little bit about the timing of the birth of Jesus, and we landed on somewhere around September. And this is just another little chunk of scripture and context where it helps us look at the, the circumstances. What was going on? Where were they at? What details can we learn from the story about who they were, where they were, what they were doing? And when we start to put it together a little bit like a detective, you start to chunk out some facts, and you learn that this traditionally would have been about September. And so this is another area that helps line up the timing for the birth of Jesus. Okay, so let's keep going here. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. How many angels appeared to them? One, right? One angel showed up. It wasn't a trick question, sorry. And the glory of the Lord shone around who? Them. Like, it's important that we slow down, especially in these stories that are traditional stories that we've heard a thousand times, and we take a deeper look at them and we put ourselves in the story. The angel of the Lord, this one angel, shows up to these shepherds that are working at night, watching over their sheep, and it freaks them out, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, the shepherds. What does the glory of the Lord look like when it's shining? I have no idea. I imagine like giant spotlights and disco balls and like, I don't know. I have no idea what it looks like, but it, it was a big deal. Now angels, it sort of seems to me that angels are scary. 
not mean, wicked, not like that at all, but they freak people out when they show up. Everywhere it seems like we have an instance of an angel, angel of the Lord shows up or Gabriel shows up. What is the response of the person or the group that they showed up to? They're like, knees knocking, hit the ground, freaked out. Like some, they, they, they don't know what's going on, if it's good or it's bad or what. They just know it is scary. Fortunately, I feel like angels sort of know that about themselves. So they show up on the scene, and it seems like all the time this happens. An angel shows up on the scene. Everybody freaks out, and the angel says, don't be afraid. It's like the first thing out of their mouth every time. God sent me. Don't be afraid. I have a great message for you. Don't be afraid. I have something good to tell you. Don't be afraid. Here's what we can learn. If you ever see an angel, you're probably going to wet your pants. (laughs) Followed by don't be afraid. That's what's going on in this passage. An angel of the Lord appears to him, and the glory of the Lord shone around him, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What do they bring them? Good news. What's another word for that? The gospel. Okay, are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for the gospel message? The gospel message that was sent by God with an angel of the Lord to tell these shepherds first, the first people on earth to hear this. Sent them to to give the gospel message to them. The gospel message was this. God just broke through and showed up on earth. God is here. This is how they said it. They said, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, now we'll get to what they said in a second, but like the whole circumstances here, the whole picture Like if we were watching a movie, this would be one of those like unbelievable scenes that would take some killer special effects. Shepherds, stinky, tired, lowly people in a field with some sheep, regular guys. Angel of the Lord appears to them. They're freaking out. Don't be afraid. Easy for you to say. You haven't seen yourself. Glory of the Lord shining around them. You've got to hear this. I I have this message from God to tell you. The Savior, the Messiah has come. And, And as they're listening, all of a sudden, if that wasn't enough, shock and awe, if that wasn't enough, then out of nowhere appears a great company. Some translations say it's a multitude What is a great company of angels look like? Like, is that 20 angels? Is that 200 angels? Is that all of the angels in heaven? Like, what is a great company of heavenly hosts look like? You thought they were freaked out when one angel was there. All of a sudden, I mean, I just, I have no idea. 
But imagine the plain, regular people that God chose to show up to in this amazing, magnificent, overwhelming way. The shepherds have got to be bouncing back and forth between scared to death, shaken in their boots, to excited beyond words, and somewhere like terrified excitement. And then they all, all the angels start praising God and saying this, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now you think about where God's people are at. They're in a land that is their land that they established. They built buildings, raised families, generations had been there and then conquered by the Romans. Forced to give up religious practices, forced to give up freedom, forced to give up physical stuff, land and property, to pay taxes and tribute to Caesar, they're secondhand citizens in their own land. Do you think God's people felt like his favor was resting on them? Do you think they got out of bed in the morning and thought, man, God is really with us in this season. God is really with me. I, I, God is just right with me. I feel so blessed. No. They were frustrated. They were struggling. Remember that theology that, of God's people, the Jews at the time that we talked about how if good things were happening to them, then God was happy with them. If bad things were happening to them, God was mad at them. Imagine the tension they must have felt to be under Roman oppression and rule like, why God, why won't you deliver us from this? And here these angels are saying to these lowly shepherds in a field, they're crying out to God, this heavenly host of angels is praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's like, who is that? Let's keep looking. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I don't know if you have this um, picture in your head like I've always had. I've always read this and imagined that the shepherds get this crazy message. They beat feet to Bethlehem, to the place to find Mary and Joseph. They get there. Sure enough, there's a baby in a manger, just like the angels had told them it would be. And they are amazed and they bolt into town and spread the news to everybody. I don't know why I've ever thought that. Maybe I was taught that somewhere. But if it, and that could be the case. But I just want you to think, like if we give this a good thorough reading, 
I want you to imagine maybe something else, and it'll help us connect the dots with the sentence that comes after this in the passage. Because if that's the case, it's sort of a random thing, this, this thing that comes next. But what if maybe it was like this? The shepherds went to Bethlehem. They found Mary and Joseph in the cave or the animal quarters, which is odd to be a find a place to find this new family with a new baby. And they find a baby wrapped in cloth in a manger, just like the angels had said. And then there, amongst the people that had gathered with them, the shepherds all of a sudden basically start to preach. They start telling everybody there that will listen what just happened to them in the field. They start saying, oh my gosh, you are not gonna believe. Do you know how we knew you were here? Do you know what just happened to us? We've never seen anything like it. And they tell everybody that would hear what happened. And it says that all who heard him were amazed at what the shepherd said to him. But let's see what happens with Mary. It says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. You just get this picture of these people that are just sort of awestruck with what the shepherds are telling them and the circumstances that are going on with Mary and Joseph and this new baby and there's scuttle, there's discussion going on, and some people were amazed, and you have to believe some people were wondering, like, shepherds, really? Are you sure we can trust them? Maybe they were hitting the wine a little tonight, right? Like, you guys, are you sure you were seeing angels? Or There's this discussion and stuff going on, and here you get this picture of Mary, who knew who her son was. She knew she had no doubt. But for her, in all that had gone on, the struggle being betrothed to a man and pregnant, not by him, the tension that caused in their family, the tension it caused in their relationship, the long journey, like a week no matter which route they took to get to Bethlehem, all of the stuff says that it's roughly a week's worth of walking, which every pregnant mom at close to delivery would tell you their favorite thing to do would be to go on a long walk outside for a week. She was tired. The tension from when they arrived, it wasn't the expectations that they had. Like They weren't met with this welcome wagon. And they were tucked away in a, a smelly little cave with animal poop on the ground. And all that time, she knew who her son was, who he would become. And here, for the first time ever, here he is, alive and well, and the first people to come and greet her the first people to come and say, we're so excited for you are these random shepherds she's never met, but they come with a message that while it might have shocked and amazed everybody else, for Mary, the mother of Jesus, it just warmed her heart. 
I just imagine her lying back with this huge smile on her face as she heard the story of the shepherds. And everybody else had the shock and awe look of almost disbelief on their face and amazement. And here's Mary just hearing this confirmation. Yep, that sounds about right. That's how God would do that. And it says she just treasured these things up in her heart. It was just validation that all of the struggle and the tension and the hardship to get to the spot where she had the blessing to give birth to the Messiah was real. Let's finish it up. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, um, which were, they, uh, were just as they had been told. So the scene sort of wraps up. The shepherds get back together, take the walk back to the fields to get back to the sheep. And I mean, can you just imagine the discussion? We know traditionally shepherds are younger guys, sometimes teenagers, sometimes even gals. Can you imagine this ragtag bunch of probably teenagers that just had their mind blown with these amazing things that happened and literally got to just sit in the presence of the one that, that God says will be the Savior, the Messiah, that will redeem and restore their people. They laid eyes on him. They got to look at him, pull the blanket back, and like, wow, he's real. Can you imagine the talk on the way back to the field? I mean, were they just like dead quiet the whole way back? Nobody said a word. Were they jumping for joy? Were they ramp going back and forth, retelling to each other? Did you see that? Did you see this part? Did you see what that guy said? If there are a bunch of young teenage guys that spend a lot of time alone, I bet you they had a lot of words. I bet you they couldn't shut up about it. I mean, how amazing, how awesome and exciting would it have been to be those guys? It's just unbelievable. And yet, it just makes us wonder, right? Like, like if God had a message to get out, like not just any message, but the message, like, the, the Messiah you've been waiting for forever, the Savior, the Deliverer, the Comforter, the King of Kings, this great announcement, you're going to trust it first to these guys that, that just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But if you dig a little deeper, we dig into this a little bit, we start to see that God is up to something. There's something so neat that we can learn and take away from this. God chooses people whom he chooses for reasons he chooses. He chose Zechariah and Elizabeth out of these really yucky, horrible circumstances, right? And he chose them 
out of that situation. God chose Mary and she was upright and blameless. She had God's favor. She was right with God. And God chose the shepherds for no particular reason at all. And I know that sounds sort of weird, but for us, it should put a smile on our face and it should, it should put some, some peace and some contentment in our hearts because some of us have yucky situations, but not a lot of people, like their whole life, like Elizabeth and, and Zechariah, like their whole life was born out of this pain and suffering. Some people have that, and God chooses people out of those circumstances. Some people are totally right with God, are blameless, are upright, are amazing, awesome, right with God people. But honestly, it's not a lot, right? For the rest of us, it's so cool to see in this story that we can be like the shepherds, chosen by God for no particular reason at all. Just some plain, regular people. Like for us, it, it, it can help us to know that God could actually choose us. God could actually choose you, any one of you, to hear a great message, to be the announcer of something amazing. He wasn't out shopping for resumes of who would be the most qualified to deliver the message. In fact, if God had a, a religious message to get out to all of the people at the time, right, the most logical person to get it to would have been the priest, right? The priest spoke for God. He carried God's message to the people. That would have made the most sense. It was the same thing in their culture now. It's the same thing in our world today. Like, if God had a message to get out to his church, if God had a message to get to our church, who would he give it to? You'd think, oh, well, he would give it to the pastor or one of the elders or maybe all of the elders. And the story, it shows up, it's like more like God choosing a random seven-year-old in the children's ministry and giving them this message and showing up in a miraculous way and sending them to the stage. And people would be like, uh, for real? Like, isn't, like, are you sure? God chooses who he chooses because he can. And we can see in this story this awesome blessing that God can and will work through regular people to bring about some of the most amazing news ever in the history of the world. And that's the same God that works through us 
day in and day out now. That's the same God that gives us regular people good days and bad. Sometimes we are tight with the Lord and sometimes we are way off track with the Lord. And God chooses us anyway and he entrusts us with the message of his son. He's like, you are my choice. You are the best spokespeople I know to get the word out to announce to your friends and to your family and to everybody that will hear that the Christ child has come. It's just amazing to me that God would give us this awesome opportunity that we would have the blessing and the opportunity to be used by God right where we're at, right? And so I hope we take out of this story a story that we've probably heard if you've been in church a while, you've probably heard time and time and time again. I hope you go away with a fresh look at an old story and and a little bit of awe and wonder at how amazing and awesome God is. I hope you lay your head down on your pillow thinking, I wonder what it would have been like to see God's glory shine. I wonder what it would have been like to see what was a multitude of angels. And then I hope you go to bed believing that you're the kind of person that God would deliver that message to. that God could and would use you in the same way today or tomorrow or when you're 70. That's the kind of God we have. That's going to bring us to our time of communion. And so um, they're going to pass the buckets first. They're going to, you guys are getting used to this. They're going to start in the middle and then just pass them all the way out to the end and uh, make sure you drop your connection cards in there. Even if you're just a regular attender, just jot your name down so we know who's here and who's missing and who to check on and all that good stuff. And then we're gonna do communion immediately after that. They're gonna pass out the communion trays. And at Real Life, we have an open table for communion, and that means you don't have to be a member here to take communion. You just uh, have to be on board with celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so if you want to take communion today, just hold on to the bread and the cup when they pass it out, and then we're going to take it at the very end of service here in a few minutes. All right? Sound good? Okay, we're going to wrap up with this. We're going to wrap up with these uh, implications or sort of these takeaway nuggets. Now, I try to remind everybody often, we do these at the end of the service and at the end of the message because we, we think they're... Um, things worth chewing on a while. And so we hope, we put them in your notes so that you don't have to remember them. We hope that they're things that you will take home and chew on throughout the week in your devotions or your uh, time alone with the Lord or maybe come up in your small group discussions. So let's take a look at those real quick. Let's put the first one up there. God is for everybody. He is not communicating only with the religious elite. God shows up for all of us. 
That's good news, right? These angels bring this awesome news that the Christ child is born and they bring this great news to regular folks. Not the high priest, lowly shepherds. God is for everybody. Let's look at the next one. There are no racial, social, circumstantial, or political barriers to God's work and his message. Man, how important is that in our world right now? I know probably a lot of people in generations before me said, I've never seen the world so bad and racial tension so bad and political stuff. I know that like this isn't the first time it's ever been cruddy, but it sure doesn't seem great right now. It's like everybody is out to pit everybody against each other for any reason they can, whether it's the color of your skin or where you were born or what political viewpoint you have or what school you went to or what NFL team you like or don't like. Like everybody is out to put everybody against each other. And man, now more than ever, I think the church should be standing up and shouting out loud that there is no place for racism in the kingdom of God. There is no place for favorites in the kingdom of God. And if anybody tries to tell you something different, they're a liar. They're just flat wrong. That's not our God. Let's look at the next one. The joy of the advent is that God has come to give a voice to the voiceless, power to the powerless, and freedom to the oppressed. This is good news. God is for us. The least of us and the most of us. God is for your mom. God is for your dad. God is for your brother or your sister. God is for your kids. God is for your ex. God is for the bully you can't stand. And God is for you. And it all started with God sending this message to these angels and these shepherds to make the announcement that the Christ child has come to earth. And because of who that child became, the man he grew to be, sinless, blameless, all God and all man, one of a kind, none like him before and none like him since, because of the life that he lived and the sacrifice he made on the cross and his once and for all conquering of death as he rose from the tomb, because of him and his life, his death, and his resurrection, we can be made right with God. No matter where we're at, no matter what our past is, no matter what we've done, no matter how far we've strayed from God or if we've always doubted that he was real our entire life, there is a way for us to be right with God because of Christ. 
before we take communion, I just, I, I just want to take a second, and would you just maybe just bow your heads, and, and I want to give you an opportunity that if you need to get right with God, like if you need to seek forgiveness, take a minute and do it. If you have doubted God your whole life and you are ready to put your trust and faith in his son, today's the day. If you've strayed away, today's the day to come home, to repent and get back on the path. Take a minute and talk to the Lord. Today's the day you're coming to know Jesus. Or maybe you've been away for a long time and today's the day you're drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm coming back to you. Man, come and talk to me. Come and talk to any of us that, that are up here on stage or anybody in the lobby. We would love to just pray with you and walk alongside you and celebrate with you. Because that's good news. We have the opportunity to have that prayer and to have a relationship with, with our God the Father because of what Christ did for us on the cross. That's why we remember each and every week that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and he told them to eat this uh, in remembrance of him that it represented his body that was broken for them. In the same way, he took the cup and he told them that this was the cup of the new covenant and that uh, it represented his blood shed for them. So let's take it and drink. God, you are so good. We love you. We thank you that you're a God for everybody. Lord, that uh, no matter where you're at or where we're at or where we've been or what we've done, that you're for us, that you love us and that you are lovingly waiting for us to return to you get on track with you. And God, thanks for, for that and for your church, that we have a place to come, that you have gathered other people together that uh, will help us learn how to do it. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, and visit our website, liferotp.com.